You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 172, sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service and Netflix. Fanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 172. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hello. We are, <laughs> Josh is excited. We are at iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics, although not this week. And one of us picks the best ones, writes about it on the website, talks about it on the podcast, and other, along with other books of the week and various topics of interest. And apparently we need to emphasize this, emphasize this again, but this is a review show with spoilers. So if we're talking about a book you were reading in trade or haven't read yet, skip that section, pause the show, do whatever you like, but don't come complaining to us about it. <laughs> Josh. Yes. You had the pick this week. Oh, good Lord, I did. Uh, weird week, I think. Like, I bought, I think, eight or nine books. Not a ton. Um, half of them were image. Like, I bought a lot of image books this week. It was, this a, week. It was and, a big uh, image week. It was. Yeah, it was, and it was good. I, I I read a lot of good comic books this week, which I thought was a was was fun. I like it when I don't have like a ton of books and they're all really kind of good. Like that makes for a very satisfying uh, comic book experience. And uh, you know, there was a bunch of books that I could have gone with, um, but at the end of the day, I went with the uh, fun factor, um, and I had the most fun uh, reading Guardians of the Galaxy number ten by Dan Abnett and Andy Landing uh, with art by somebody Walker. Where is it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is um, Brad Walker. Brad Walker. Yeah. Oh, sorry, it's it's one of those names that I can't seem to remember because it's a drifter came into town. It was Brad Walker. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I picked this book after I after I read another. You know, I, there was a lot of other books that could have been pick of the week, um, but when I was reading this, I was just I was laughing out loud a bunch of times, um, and I was it was it was just occurring to me that. You know, and we've we've mentioned this before. It's never been a pick of the week. That this is not the kind of book that that has that I would want anything to do with on paper. And I'm just so impressed that now, even after ten issues, like the novelty hasn't worn off. If anything, it's getting it's getting more interesting, and I'm having more fun with it as I'm getting into this world. And um, you know, basically, it's just uh, it's it's very similar to the things that we've said about the Nova book that Abnett and Landing do. You know, it's fun. It's 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 good Marvel comics. Um, but it's not the same book by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, you know, like we talk about, you know, Nova's a, it was about one person. This is more like a team book. And, and they are different. Um, so it doesn't feel like they're just doing the same tricks over and over again. I think this book's more, um, I, I, I've said fun, but it's, it's funnier. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a sillier book, but not so much so that it's not like a jokey book. I guess. Well, it balances the fun with the. I mean, like the Adam Warlock scene is not jokey or fun at all. Well, you know, like, I think, and that's actually one of the points that I, I think I wrote in my review is that it, it balances all those things really well. There's not too much of any one thing. Yeah. I mean, it gives you just as much of everything as you need, and, and you move on to the next thing. Um, just just a, a lot of fun, and and uh, there were all sorts of little things about this that impressed me. Um, you know, right off, like. Uh, but what we have is sort of the, the precursor to the War of Kings, or I guess it's part of the War of Kings now. Uh, they're in the negative zone. I may have these details mixed up because that's not the kind of thing that I pay tons no, of attention right. to. They're in the negative zone. You're right. They're in the negative zone, and Blastar is trying to take over the prison, which is the prison from Civil War, number 42. Um, and uh, and, and uh, Star-Lord uh, ends up there somehow. And he's trying to fend him off, and then all the prisoners turn on him, and so it's just him and Jack Flagg. Jack Flagg, you'll remember from Warren Ellis's Thunderbolts number 110. It was my pick of the week a long time ago, and it was the last thing that I liked about Warren Ellis's Thunderbolts was, was that character because he you know, supposedly got, got killed or taken down. But he's been in this prison the whole time, and he was like a, he's like a low-rent Captain America, but he's in a wheelchair, and he has silly, silly hair. <laughs> yeah. um, um, and, you know, the, the Guardians find out who they are, but the jokes still go on like, you know, we're the Guardians. Who? Who are you? And, you know, to have Reed Richards be like, they go through this whole speech where they're telling Reed Richards about the infinite danger at the end. He goes, one more question. Who, who are you again? Who is this? And he's like, 
ah, I can't get no respect. Um, you know, I just had a ton of fun with this. Um, I think I'd mentioned, you know, the art is not a style that, that stood out to me immediately. But as I went through it, um, you know, trying to think about what it was that I liked about it, I sort of noticed that he was doing a really good job with the acting of the characters. And, the, and, the, and it's very clean. And the more that I looked at it, the more that I was like, this art's perfect for this book right now. And I'm not familiar with Brad Walker that much. But, you know, he, he's, he's, he did a really good job with the storytelling of it. I was – tons of characters, tons of stuff going on. You know, between him and the writers, I was never confused about what was happening or who anybody was. And uh, it's just, just good comic books, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm loving this as just as much as as you are, because um, I've always loved the Guardians of the Galaxy and Abnet Landing can't do anything wrong as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if this is pick of the week worthy though. I mean, it was good. It was just, but it was for me, it was kind of more the same, you know. And and actually, I'm not really in love with this with with, the, with this kind of story arc, the fighting Blast Star for the prison type thing. Um, you know, I kind of want to get back to them as the team and getting back to whatever's going on with Starhawk and, and I'm, and I'm actually more interested in what's going on with Adam Warlock. You know, I, I feel like this has kind of been like a, uh, an action sequence divergence, you know, See, this and, is funny. The things that you mentioned are the things that I was like, all right, all right, let's get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I think it speaks to, we both think the book is good, but for yeah, like different reasons, you know, we have different, we yeah. have different tastes. Yeah, my, totally. my taste, I was like, I really enjoy this. You know, on the third page, uh, skeleton key, the, the character who opens the doors or whatever, you know, he goes up to Blastar, and like he comes up to Blastar's belt, basically. You know, and 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 he turns around, and he's like, and I'm like, he's like, I'm the one who opened the door for you, and then Blastar pats him on the head. Yeah. Well done. Well, yeah. Well, I laugh. Blastar always that. Blastar is always a good opportunity for some humor with the <laughs> villain. Um, but yeah, no, I mean the the story is great, and the action was great. I I I'm, wasn't in love with the art by Brad Walker. I, I think it was just like again, like very average, very just kind of. Um, you know, it got the job done. Um, I didn't think yes. it was is um, the the but the 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 standout throughout this whole thing is just is in the background is Groot is the because you know, <laughs> this this is probably the least developed character of all the Guardians of the Galaxy. This guy who's a tree, but if I don't know if you've noticed, but over the I'm sure you've noticed over the ten yes. issues, he's 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 growing every issue. He was like an inch in the first issue. Yeah, now he's huge. Now, so, yes. now he's like. The- Tall. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> curious where he's going to go with that. And, uh, did you notice too that his suit is too short? Yes, yeah, it, it doesn't. The legs fit. and the arms are too short, yeah. and it's not anything they're focusing on at all. It's just yeah. happening in the background. I love that kind of thing. I and, think and it's what's really funny. Cool. Is that is that I mean, you're you're really toned into the comedy aspect of it, which I'm not. Re- you know, like I, I'm I, I chuckle here and there, but like you know, it's it's I, I don't know. It's funny how how, how we both t- enjoy the series for two for different completely reason, completely different. Reasons. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. Like you are probably want to know what's the deal with Captain Victory. I don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah. Oh, I totally I mean, do. Yeah. No, I know. It's just, and it's not my thing. And I, I like that because there's a lot here and I don't think either of us feel shortchanged. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, one of the neat things about it. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like this book and Captain Britain and, and Nova, these are the books that are, that are you know, outside of all that other stuff that are just being fun Marvel comics these days that, that uh, I'm really glad they're around. No, totally. I mean, I, I definitely think we're better off for having Guardians of the Galaxy being published and Nova being published and stuff like that. Um, it, it just, I, I, you know, like like I said with this one. I mean, and, it, and you, you're right. It was a weird week, and and as as I think about it, I don't I don't actually know what my pick of the week would have been. I just didn't know it probably wouldn't have been this, just because it was like, oh, it's good. You know, it's like that kind of more of the same kind of thing. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it just it, it it struck all the right notes for me at the right time. It, you know, you know, it wasn't it wasn't you know a spectacular issue. It, you know, it was like, this issue is better than all the other ones. It was just like, I don't know, maybe it hit me at the right time, but I had the most fun reading this. So yeah. that's, that's why. Which is yeah. important. That's, a, that's an important yeah. aspect when you're reading your comic books because we're reading them to have fun. Theoretically. Theoretically. They, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be an effort. It shouldn't be anything that you're, you're like, oh, I got to read my comics. You know? Wait, wait. What? what? Shouldn't what? Be those things? <laughs> you should just have fun reading them. <laughs> uh, Wednesday is the new Monday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But cool, excellent. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I am glad to see that Abnet Landing addressing the like the prison in the negative zone because apparently the <laughs> the rest of Main Street Marvel just forgot about that little plot point. I love that. I love that they're picking and choosing things from stuff that happened. Yeah. You know, Jack Flag and the prison and yeah. and all that stuff and and using it. And that's the kind of continuity that for me is very fun. Not the is Batman left or right handed continuity, but the. <laughs> um, that's it's a shout out to the dude, you know. If nothing yeah, totally. else, yeah. I noticed. Uh, I think it's silly, but I noticed. Um, 
you know, <laughs> if you don't know, you're better off. Um, you know, but but like like picking and, and and choosing things from the past that that you know that you can then use and build on, and that's neat. Like it's cool because that stuff can remain forgotten. I'm just continually impressed by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's writing. I'm just continu- you know, absolutely, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's it's actually it's 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 almost daunting because it's one of those things that seems very effortless and fun, but there's so much juggling going on. Yeah, totally. So. Um, did either of you guys happen to pick up uh, the Great Unknown number one? No, no. From Image Comics, this is a a five part series uh, written and drawn by Duncan Rouleau, um, who you probably have heard of. He's part of the the Man of Action Collective, the Joe Casey, Joe Kelly, Stephen Siegel, Duncan Rouleau group. He just did the uh, a Metal Men series, which I didn't read and didn't uh, know anything about. I picked this up because I wasn't buying a lot of books, and I thought, well, here's something cool to try, and I didn't really know what it was, and um, it, it's it was you know like for like the first half of it i was like i don't like this <laughs> but then by the end i was like oh i i do like this which is always really cool like it, it 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 took about half the book to sort of win me over basically it's about this guy who is um he's a genius but he's a slacker like imagine the dude who has a bunch of phds but still lives with his parents and doesn't have a job and gets drunk every night okay. um that's him and everybody's telling him oh will hunting yes <laughs> uh, well the idea is that, and everybody keeps, he's like, no, no, I'm working on something. It's going to be huge. And everybody's like, sure, you've been saying that forever, and nobody believes him. And then you find out at the end, somebody actually has been stealing his ideas all along. He's come up with all these patents, and they, they always hit before he gets a chance to do anything with them. Um, but it's because somebody's been spying on him. The whole thing is done. The art style is, is um, really clean and simple, uh, cartoony, really, really nice art. The whole thing is done in blue and black tones. Um, so it's got sort of an, an otherworldly quality. Uh, fun. I, I really want to know what's, what's going to happen next with it. And, uh, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's just a series that uh, I think if you're looking for something new, like a, it's like a little sci-fi mystery whodunit thing um, done by a really you know, skilled cartoonist. Uh, it, it's a really good thing to pick up. This was almost my pick. So that was, that was the other cool. thing. Okay. Um, so Amazing Spider-Man number 587. Um, Connor, I assume you picked this up as well. Yes. Um, so this continues the uh, the excellent story arc uh, that Mark Guggenheim's been writing and John Romita Jr. has been drawing um, that involves the mayor mayoral race and who menaces and this particular issue focuses on the fact that Spider Man's been arrested and kind of what's going on with Spider Man in jail and being you know kind of arraigned and and that sort of thing. Um, Connor, what did you think? I think this is pro- This might be the best arc. Yes. So far, the brand new day arc. Everything's coming together. There's been some very interesting twists and turns. The Spider Tracer reveal was completely unexpected, but very interesting. Yep. It's it leads to some very it's going to lead to some very harsh consequences, I think, by the time we get to the end of this story. Yep. Um, basically, the the uh, reveal was that the Spider Tracer killer wasn't any one person. It was a bunch of corrupt cops who were framing Spider Man because they were sick of him, Conspiracy. sick of him, sick of him meddling, sick of him screwing everything up. So they either place spider tracers on dead bodies or find, we find out at the end here that they've been murdering people and, and framing Spider-Man for it. So and, and one, even, of them, one of them being his roommate, so that's, that's going to be interesting. And what's even more interesting is so the, uh, the woman cop finds out about this and, and she tries to – first she confronts uh, uh, Spider-Man's roommate and, and the other cop about it. And then she's like, well, I want in on it in very unconvincingly manner. And, then, right. and so then – but then she leaves and she goes to like the superior cop to report it and turns out he's in on it too. And it's just like it was one of those like you – know, and maybe this is Guggenheim and his like TV writing kind of you know, skills coming out. It was just like it, – it just it, that conspiracy got, is getting so much deeper and so much more um, interesting as it goes because like, I wasn't really interested in the spider tracer idea thing because it's been going on for months. But now that we're in it, I'm just like, oh, I, I, you know, like every, every turn of that plot had me like you know, gasping. So. Well, it's been going on for, for years since the first first yeah, one. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like your classic sort of raise the stakes kind of thing. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, here's the reveal. Yeah. Oh, but here's the reveal. Oh, you know, and you keep and doing, you keep piling on. And so what they're doing now, so what the cops are doing now is that they're setting up Spider-Man's roommate and this other woman cop to take the fall for it. Ooh. Yeah. My favorite part of the, my favorite part of the issue actually was was Matt Murdock, Spider-Man lawyer. As always, yep. Well, what was Who, funny uh, was what was funny kept was that- showing up with Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> but what was funny was that at one point, listen, they're, they're like going over. So Matt Murdock again comes to Spider-Man's defense, and they in like I don't know if it was a joke or what, but they pulled the same stunt again. 
Like, yes, I did. Like, do you remember when? Uh, it must have been in the past year when Spider Man was uh, being sued, and and they want they were addressing whether or not he has to take his mask off in court, and so Murdoch had all their friends dress up like Spider Man and go into the courtroom again. Uh, yeah. courtroom. Well, they did that again for one panel, which is just <laughs> like if you're reading Spider Man, like it just made me laugh. I was like, like, oh, he's just gonna do that every time he gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and it was almost it, it was almost the same thing, distilled down to two panels. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a nice little. It didn't focus on it. It was a nice little storytelling bit. Yeah, um, it was just this just this is just really really strong, and the art is you know fantastic. But yeah. now Spider Man's in prison for now, and he's been let loose in general population. So yeah, it's so about you, to get really ugly. Yeah, you got you've got a uh, uh, echoes of the Daredevil in prison, kind of like all the prisoners Wait, but, want a piece of. But him. does he have his costume on? Yes, he does. That's weird. <laughs> That's Matt Murdock. He's he's done some legal wrangling, some fancy footwork. Matt Murdock is so. at law. <laughs> Couldn't have done that he, for himself, shows, he, he shows up waving pieces of paper I and mean, he can't take his mask off. He's got a writ. <laughs> <laughs> um, my pick of the week was Robin 183, which is the final issue of the Robin series for now. Rumors are that they're going to, rest- after the whole Batman thing is over, they're going to restart some of the old titles again, but we'll see if that actually happens. But um, <laughs> And in this, in this issue, basically, it's, it's Tim's transformation into, into more of a Bruce Wayne esque character. And is he still scarred? No, that no, was my only thing about the, the book that's kind of annoyed me and took me out of it for a while was that he's not his hair is all back and he's not scarred and that's bullshit. Point, man, that's bullshit. Sorry. Well, it, it feels bullshit. like they introduced that as a, as like something that was going to be a long term story thing, and they just thought, you know what, just drop it. <laughs> no, it's like comics. seriously, like it's comics. <laughs> but it is. But let's just move on and get past it. And you know, sometimes that's that's the best thing to do. Which is, I mean, it's sort of what happened with Spider Man, and look what's happening now. You know, like. Just drop it. Move along. It would have been know, fine if, 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 if Jason Todd hadn't asked him about his burns healing. And he said, oh, okay. yeah, they're, they're still healing. Oh, it's, it's like, like Dallas. He's wearing, it was a, are you wearing a wig then? Like, what's, what's happening? Yeah. Well, it was a really good uh, one single issue. I, mean, I guess it's the one and done sort of story, you know, that was connected to the larger one. But uh, it, was, it was like a nicely structured, I thought. Yeah, no, it was really strong. Really, really strong characterization stuff. Basically, mm-hmm. you know... Tim's way more hard, harder edge than he used to be, and you can see that Tim is way more like Bruce than anybody ever will be. He's, mm-hmm. you know, Dick is never going to be Bruce. He could be Batman, but he'll never be Bruce. Right. Whereas Tim, Tim can be Bruce. He can totally go into that world of focused solely on justice and, and revenge. And, and they've been building it because of you know, like his father got killed in identity crisis and, and, and stuff like that. Like it just stuff keeps piling on him, so he's got more reasons to it, I guess. I wanted um, to briefly comment on these origin origin stories in the back. Yeah, what they've been doing. I've really been enjoying them, and one thing I really like about them is they've been employing the Jeff Johns device of showing a bunch of future events. Mm-hmm. The last page shows you these things are going to happen in the future to this character, yeah. and it really sets up a nice thing to look forward to. And you go, "Ooh, what's that mean? Like, what's, when's that going to happen?" So I've really been enjoying them. They've, for the most part, they've been really strong little little two three page stories. Yeah, they have really been. Good. One of the one of the things that I wanted to mention about this story is that I looked at it and I was like, this looks really good. And it's Freddie Williams also. Yeah, I think he, this is him actually drawing by hand, it looks like. Wow. Oh man. Or either if even if he's not though, he enjoy there's like a different um it's not clean line ish. Um this so was that, really that strong actually, shoot. This was really good. It was a five star. Yeah. Five star, wow. Yeah. This was uh this makes me really look forward to the whole Battle of the Cow thing, which starts when, Josh? I don't know. <laughs> you did the you did, <laughs> you did the interview with Tony Daniel. <laughs> Do you know everything about everybody you did an interview with? <laughs> when does that start? I don't know. <laughs> He's the last person who would know when an event was starting. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't say I was going to buy it. I was just like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> oh, This is why I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he set me up for that. He knew I wasn't going to know the answer. Totally. He's just trying to, he was trying to nail me. <laughs> Ron, you're gonna you're gonna keep the pitchforks at bay by talking about X Factor Forty this week. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna keep them at bay or not. Um, so X Factor number forty, we didn't talk about X Factor thirty nine. Um, some could say we didn't talk about it because there was a plea from Peter David to not talk about it on the front page, but I didn't read that plea, and then I wrote about <laughs> it and I gave it away. So I'm sorry if you found out through my article, but. Um, uh, but yeah, so X Factor Thirty Nine dealt with the fact that Siren had the baby and something happened. 
Um, and I'm not, yeah, baby. and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, um, uh, talk about it here because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to attempt to respect whatever, you know, I don't know why, but, um, that's stupid. Yeah. It's Just stupid. talk about yeah, it. It's stupid. He absorbed the baby. Turns out the baby was a dupe, um, which a lot of people really liked. I can't believe I'm doing it. Peter David's totally going to hate me now, <laughs> um, but, um, it's been out for a month. Come on. If you're not reading X factor, you already, you know, like whatever. Um, but so, uh, so he, I, I thought it, I didn't really like that, that as a plot device. Um, and so Peter David's continued his personal plea on the front page, which I did read this time. And he ends it saying the climax of this issue will blow you away. Yeah. I wasn't really blown away by it. I mean, it was good. It was what I'd like to see, but let's just say someone who's been gone from this book is back. So havoc. No, it's not Havoc. Oh, my God. I would be so happy if it was Havoc. <laughs> but, um, so, but what I thought was really interesting was that um, – not really interesting, not in a, in a good, good way or a bad way, but was that when we interviewed Peter David – Jesus, was that like two, three years ago now? Yes. Episode yeah. four. Episode four of the video show. Um, we, talked about, we talked about the character of Madrox, and he, uh, he explained that he kind of sees Madrox as the Hamlet of the Marvel Universe. Um, you know, which is that he's, you know, he's, um, you know, he's kind of, you know, uh, caught up in trying to decide what to do, struggling with decisions, that sort of thing, told to be or not to be. Um, and so in this issue, Madrox is, you know, despondent and depressed and, and suicidal after what happened in the last issue. He's grown a beard and he goes to confront one of his dupes who's living in the, in the wild. And, um, the, and he's, you know, he's suicidal, he's going to kill himself. And the dupe that he's confronting is a priest. So the priest is obviously trying to talk him down. And Madrox basically goes through a soliloquy that says, I'm the Hamlet of the mutant world, always pondering what to do, struggling with decision, and like basically <laughs> just use that whole bit in the issue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so some people are seeing this, this, this turn of events as like a, you know, kind of a turning point and great move in, in X-Factor. I still think the rails are a little bit off. Um, maybe the return of this character at the end will, will help it get better. That said, the art was exactly what I want from the art for this book. Uh, Valentine Delandro did the art. Um, and it, it was really, really good. It had that realistic, you know, kind of shadowy kind of, you know, like it, it, it reminded me of Pablo Ramondi. It was, it, it was, it, the art was where I'd want it to be. So maybe he's getting it back on, on track. Who knows? We'll see. But um, I wanted to address X Factor for all you X Factor fans out there. Was it Polaris? No, it wasn't Polaris. <laughs> but it was, it was a woman or a girl. Cyclops? No, no, no. Cy- Cyclops oh. didn't go anywhere. So Does she... Does she uh... Is she sort of like Wikipedia? A little bit like Wikipedia. Like there's a lot of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So. Huh. Is she right. redheaded waitress from the Heroes universe? No, she's not the red. She died. So. Is she any? Is she any sort of clone <laughs> of uh, Jean Grey? No. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so if you uh, want to buy comic books and you need a place to buy them, uh, you should check out uh, DCBS or the, or also known as the Discount Comic Book Service. Um, they've got monthly specials up to 75% off, and usually they've got 40% off all the major publishers. Um, it's, an, uh, it's a website where you can go and you can order your comics, and they'll ship them to you instead of going to a comic book store. Um, they've got a flat rate of $5.95 for shipping on all U.S. orders, so no matter what you get, it's always $5.95, which is really good if you order a lot of comic books and it gets heavy. Um, basically, anything you can buy that's in the previews catalog from Diamond, you can get at DCBS. They've got over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and ready to order. Um, you can track your order online. So go to DCBService.com. Uh, that's where you can set up an account and start ordering and get your comics delivered to you. It makes it much easier to shop for comics. Um, although, you know, they're a little delayed, so if you listen to the show, you might get spoiled. But, you know, that's your, that's your risk. So uh, DCBService.com. The show Moira McTaggart? Expire. It was not Moira McTaggart, although that would have been awesome. Psylocke. Gaius Baltar. <laughs> no? All right. So, um, uh, so con- uh, Josh mentioned earlier in the show it was a big week for Image, and it was, uh, and Four Eyes number two uh, finally came out. This would be the book that I got the most, what, not Four Eyes? Uh, responses to, <laughs> I think, as I would, I would call it that. This was the, the uh, second issue of, of the acclaimed but uh, delayed series Four Eyes. Uh, it actually came out this week. I know that because I talked to Joe Kelly. Um, also because you and, bought it? Yeah, no, I know. Because <laughs> it was in the store? <laughs> yeah, that was why. Um, it, it, this, was, this was good. It was beautiful, just like the last one. Why, to me, it why felt, wasn't this the pick of the week? 
Because it was a transition from. Come on. It was trans. It was a transition from the last one, sort of explaining how things are and setting it up uh, and getting the story ready to get going at the end of this. And um, so while it was really nice uh, and it was very beautiful and, and all sorts of interesting things happened, uh, you know, it wasn't it, – I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't my pick. I thought it was really, how, it was really how acclaimed good. could a series be after only one issue? That's a good point. I think I think that a good a good call is to have a first issue come out that's absolutely beautiful, and then wait like four months and get people like if it. But it only works if they really like the first issue. Yeah. Um. You know, it's so like many things can go wrong after a first issue. That I don't know if I can claim a series until it's almost. You know. I think Listen, I'm, I'm speaking off the cuff here. <laughs> He's out for me today. He is. No, I'm. I'm I, cause I know people. I know people go nuts over it. I just wonder how. Yeah. You know, after twenty-two pages, is, after twenty-two pages, how acclaimed can it be? I, I hear you. Are, with you. It was. An, it was an acclaimed issue. Yeah. Really liked that first issue. I was among them. Um, and, and you know, this was good. It was. It was. Uh, it was a nice explanation of a lot of things that were left up in the air in the last one, and it wasn't. Uh, wasn't dissatisfying. It wasn't like like they made everything that was cool about the last one. Uh, you know, disappear. Um, they're building up this world of, of, you know, dragon hunters and fighters uh, in Depression era New York City. Um, it's neat. It's it's a it's good stuff, you know. But it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't blow me away in terms of like a big reveal or, or like an amazing thing. It's just more good comics. Um, Do you think but, the but, delay hurt you? Do you think it hurt your opinion of it? No, not at all. No, I, my my opinion's not hurt of it. it. Just wasn't my pick of the week. Could have been. Could have been on on another week. You I, know. Um, I wish when they talk Italian, it was actually in Italian. They just use a little brackety thing. Yeah, they use a little brackety thing. So in my head, I try to do the Italian in my head. Oh. Talk good in Italian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> the thing is, when I do that, everybody sounds like Mario. <laughs> it's me, Mario. Hey, ah. I'm a kid. I wanted to hunt the dragon. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> do, 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 do. Anyway. Um, so the best cover of the week probably goes to Noble Causes number 39. You're not kidding. Yeah, great cover. Um, but not only not only was the cover great, but um, uh, Jay Ferber and uh, the artist, I can never pronounce the artist's name correctly, y- Yildare Sinar, um, I think. Um, the What they did was with this issue was they totally played on the trope of, of um, having a section be this in the Silver Age, kind of, you know, uh, simpler colored, you know, kind of retro kind of style. Um, but they did that in a way to explain something in the story, and it was just done so well that I just had to. I just loved it. Um, one of the characters, um, one of the main characters, uh, Celeste, when they did when they did the reboot about a year ago, she was uh, married to an eighty year old guy, and you just didn't understand why. And this issue explained it that essentially she went back in time and fell in love with a superhero in the fifties named Captain Comet. And li- married him and lived together for three years, and then she her body was breaking down because your, your body breaks down when you time travel or whatever. So she had to go back to the present, and so she swore to him that when she went back, she'd find him, and she did, and that's why they're together. And it was just such a elegant way of telling that, you know, kind of explaining that. It was just it was a great issue. It was a good issue, and, and now I'm getting all sad because it's going to end soon. So. Three left, right? Forty two is the last one. I think so. Um, Leap set. Yeah. No, the next issue is the last one. Oh really? Yeah, issue forty. So, oh, so sad to see it go. All right. Well, there's that. Yep. Uh, speaking of, I don't know, dark. I'll go with dark. Spider-Man Noir is on here to be talked about. It's really good. It's really, really good. This is uh, <clears throat> issue three or four. David Hine and you know all these all these European artists is going to make this show difficult. <laughs> Fabrice Sapolsky. Um, this has been a like the, the the noir line has been an interesting experiment. I think the X Men series has completely gone off track, and it's hard to follow. But Spider Man has been a really strong little tale of Depression era Spider Man. And I'm enjoying, been, I'm enjoying the X Men series still. But anyway, okay, go on. Well, that's not a surprise. But it's been fun and exciting. This one and and the interesting characterizations and interesting interesting. Plots and it's just been a it's been a really strong Spider-Man series and I was just totally not expecting this when I picked it up I picked it up on a lark and it's just been fantastic. Yeah, this this noir experiment they're doing Punish Noir now. I mean, it seems like they really they tapped into something and so um, yeah, good for them. I don't I'm not reading Spider-Man, but maybe I'll read the trade when it comes out since it's been really so really strong. Yeah. yeah, cool. 
So, um, so a bunch of comics came out this week, and if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see the list of all the ones that came out, um, and also there you can make your own pull list, and then after you get your comics, you can come back and rate and review them, and we always like to highlight a few of our uh, community reviews, and the first one comes from Noro26, who reviewed Invincible number 59, and he gave the story a 5 out of 5, and the art a 5 out of 5, and of the total iFanboy community, 5% made this their pick of the week, and Noro26 says, I felt like I could relate to the villain. Powerplex may be crazy, but you really feel for him and his loss, and it's easy to see how someone would cope with accidentally killing his family by blaming it on Invincible. I love Otley's art and the way he depicted, depicted the hatred in Powerplex's eyes when he was in jail. Uh, this issue is basically like a, a one-shot introducing a, a new villain. Um, from his point of view. Yeah. I mean, like the first few pages I thought were really funny. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it was, was, was fairly standard, um, but, but good. Like at the end of it, I was like, okay, that's – that's something. Like he, he, I thought he made a really good comment at the end of it, and I, and, and I dug the issue. And it, it was, it was, you know, nice to get off the train for a little bit and look around in the in the Invincible universe. And you know, Kirkman will come back to that at some point. So. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good um, uh, diversion. You know, it was a really good one issue kind of uh, yep. little experiment type thing. And I like I like how you know you know Kirkman and Otley are trying to keep the main story going, but also now they're in this as they get into the you know the high numbers of the series, they're getting into these little kind of experiments. Let's see if we do this. Let's see if we do that and it, it's a good way to keep themselves challenged so yeah it was good it was a good story i i liked it um i, I still love the parking in rear on the pentagon sign every time they show <laughs> i love that it's the same shot every time yeah. i think i've ever noticed that if you want to write your own reviews you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics you pick your books that you want and then you can write a review on any of those and uh, we highlight them here we highlight highlight them on mondays on the website we pick a few uh, of the of the standouts and make sure we cover some of the books that uh, the three of us can't get to and um, so, so thanks for everyone who does that. It's a very valuable part of the community, and we appreciate it. And now, Book of the Month. Dun, 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 dun. It's funny. When this was on the rundown, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's been a the whole life in between the Book of the Month and now. <laughs> I feel changed. <laughs> I, feel, I feel different. So surprise, surprise, what was the Book of the Month? Book of the Month was Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe Volume 5. Or Scott Pilgrim Volume 5, Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe. And... Um, this was literally, literally the last thing I did before I got super sick was write this review, this book of the month review. It was, I started to get sick as I was finishing it, which is more information than anybody needs, but that's what, that's why I feel changed. (laughs) Um, this is the newest volume in the big acclaimed Pilgrim series, which is, um, this is the second to last volume. Volume six will be the final one, which I'm concerned because the movie uses six's story in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. It's the whole series, and I don't know how that's going to work. Whether or not we're all going to be spoiled, but we'll, well no, six is, six is supposed to come out like right when the movie comes out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like the time. I mean, it was like was it a year between the two, or less than a year? Or I forget how long. When, when did when? I feel like four just came out. No, it's no. been about. No, a year. no, no, it's, it's been about a year. year. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, so this is the this is the issue where in the end of end of four Scott Pilgrim had to grow up a bit. He was losing his girlfriend Ramona. He had to get a job. He basically had, she basically said, you know, you got to start stepping up and being a man in this relationship. And he did. And he it was a big dramatic moment at the end of four. And he finally learned a little bit as much as Scott Pilgrim can to grow up just a smidge in order to keep his girlfriend. And in this issue, we're starting to deal with more of the ramifications of being in an adult relationship. Oh. <laughs> Which is really no fun for anyone. I don't know why <laughs> anyone does that. But um, this, what I loved so much about this issue was, or this this trade, it's an original graphic novel, is that it um, it's really it's starting to mature along with the characters. And that's that's not to say that any of the wacky energy and fun laugh out loud stuff is gone. But some of the more out there elements are pushed to the background in favor of an examination of. What happens when your friends or your girlfriend or your people around you are growing up and you're not really along for the ride yet? Yep. And- silent meals. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this, this book is predicated by silent meals. <laughs> and and it's and I thought it was some of the most incisive examination of that kind of stuff. There was some uncomfortable scenes oh, between man. Scott and his girlfriend that were really hitting hit home for anyone who's been in a relationship that isn't doesn't go well. That scene in bed, oh, just killed me. Totally killed me. Yeah, it's just it, this is it's funny because this is a book that's based on big wacky video game fighting between Scott and Ramona's ex-boyfriends, but 
the most effective stuff in this is the relationship stuff and the yeah, stuff. Well, I mean, I mean, Scott. the book is about. I mean, the book is about Scott and Ramona's relationship and the fighting stuff. Right, but the whole the whole yeah. thing people talk about yeah. this book is, is the, the big wacky elements. Yeah. And this book actually, there is the fighting, but some of the fighting is completely in the background. Totally. Yep. It's yep. almost like he's decided these elements need to go. And here they go. They're, they're going to happen behind the scenes of all the discussions about relationships. Yeah. Well, in that first scene when he has to fight the robot, that literally is what happens. Like it happens in the background. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not – you're not cons- the, the, the thrust of the scene is not is he going to win the fight. Like that's a given and, and all the, you know, the conversations are what's actually important about it. So it's kind of interesting. And even the second fight on, in the, in the, in, at the club where they're playing happens off page while yeah. Ramon and, and Knives are talking. And then there's the final fight that you do see, but it's, it's, more of, it's more about the relationships in this one and more about maybe Ramona isn't the one for Scott. Maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't so perfect that he, as he thinks it is because when you're 22, 23, he turns, he turns 23 or 4 in the beginning of this. Uh, twenty something, twenty four. When you're twenty three, twenty four, yeah. you know you think you think you know what you want, and maybe you maybe you don't, maybe you don't, maybe it's not what you really need. And that was basically the I think the the whole thrust of this book is maybe Scott and Ramona aren't meant for each other, and which it's which sad, is something that see. it's true, but it is also something that happens I think in a lot of relationships that are, that do work out, like you have your moment of. Maybe this isn't right, you know, and you, you have your, your doubting moment before you go on to the big win. I mean, that's also, you know, sort of dramatic structure, I think, has yeah. to go that way. And, I, and what I thought was interesting is that also there was the, you know, the hint of maybe something else with someone yeah. else, you know, which I thought was, which is interesting. And then also the, um, you know, the one thing that, that, that didn't annoy me, but that kind of kept nagging as I read through all four volumes was like when volume one started with Scott dating Knives and, um, and her being like hopelessly in love with her. And she's always been like hopelessly in love with him. And she's always been like this kind of background character going through. But now this issue came back and bit him in the ass. Like what he did bit him in the ass. And that, and even though, you know, you know what happened and why it happened and how it happened. It's just the miscommunication and the confusion that can be involved in that is what gets all jumbled up and causes the conflict, which is I thought was very realistic. You, you know, what's interesting is that when uh, I don't remember why I was looking at this, but when we first talked about Ron finding this book, Ron, you said I had thought this was going to be my next new favorite relationship book, and yep. then I found that it was something different, and I was like, "That's what it is now." No, totally, it's totally what it is. <laughs> it came back around. I know. <laughs> it took a left turn, but then it took three more, and now we're we're straight back. I think. This, I mean, this is a mature work. This yeah. is a there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of levels happening here, and this is if, especially if you go back and look at the early Scott Pilgrim books. The art is is on another level than it, than it was in the beginning. The, the intricacy of the storytelling, the, the depth of the, the emotions that are being explored. Yeah. I mean, this this had me from one page laughing out loud to the next page, like just you know, heart sunk in my stomach. Like, it's just there's so much happening in this book, and it's a, it's a fast read, like they all are, but there's so much packed into this story. Yeah. That it's I mean, it's just it's it's an incre- and the pressure that comes to every one of these that comes out, you know, each one each one mounts the pressure. Like this is more people jump on the book, more people talk about how great it is, and each one comes out and meets that expectation I mean, level. I, it's just I, how worried were you when you cracked it open? Very. Yeah, I, I was. I was like, oh, please be good, please be good, please. Be good. <laughs> like I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. I was just I was just mesmerized by the by the holographic foil cover. To be yeah, honest, way to, way to slip <laughs> it up. That's, there, yeah, no. that's all that I was like. It's got to be good. Look at it, shiny. Yeah. But um, you yeah, know, I was I was when it I was like, oh God, please be good, because I could just you know like because part of because we've you know we've enjoyed it so much and we touted it so much and and like I can't imagine what the pressure Brian must feel, you know, like in terms of you know you know how do you separate yourself from the critical response and the 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 fact that people love it, you know, it's, uh, fat, fat checks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> So um, yeah. Well, the movie's in production, so I'm guessing with a really nice uh, surround sound in home theater. Yeah, that might be one way. <laughs> a big TV. To just just block the rest of the world out. <laughs> this is my favorite one by far. Yeah. This, this, yeah. this, this one. Yes, it was. Yeah. I don't. I don't think Ramon is one for him. I think that's how it's going to come down. Aww. I think a lot of the seeds were laid in this issue. It seemed pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That he's really supposed to be with uh, what's his face, uh, his his former gay roommate. That would be a <laughs> twist. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. I think no, that would one, really throw a lot of people off. The one, the one who's all consistently backing him up and and always um, sees the good oh, in him. Oh, it's gonna make me cry. Yeah. Wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I'm right there with you. This yeah. is this this one totally got me. There was. 
that silent dinner and then the bed scene. Oh, oh my God, that was that hit. I'm close really to kind home. of in an emotional state because the whole ER thing has really been getting to me. So like, it's just... okay, we got to move on. Got to move on. I'm not there yet. All right, so Scott Pilgrim versus the Universe. Scott Pilgrim Volume Five. And you can get that at in stock trades when it becomes in stock. Yeah, there's been it, a little bit uh, of a shipping problem. Fucking Diamond. Diamond took this this month to move their facilities, and therefore a lot of books have gotten short shipped to a lot of stores. And one of those books was Scott Pilgrim, Volume Five, which a lot of stores either didn't get at all or only got one or two copies of. Listen, so I think when the, when the biggest uh, indie graphic novel uh, series has a new volume come out, um, and and Watchmen uh, is moving some books. It's the best time to make sure that uh, yeah. distributors and, and comic shops are low. It's fucking good, it's so annoying. It's a good choice. <laughs> I don't really know anything about the industry. I could be talking out of my ass here. So, it doesn't um, seem to make sense. Uh, but if, if you haven't yet, go to ifanboy.com and read Connor's uh, excellent uh, Book of the Month review. In fact, Brian Lee O'Malley himself at the New York Comic Con commented on that it was a really good, uh, well-written review and one of his favorites. So, um Good job. Yes. Good job, I was holding, holding off vomit as I was right at the end of it. <laughs> like literally, like in your, like your, cuffed your mouth, your hand over I your had, mouth. The, the, the bile was pooling in my mouth as I got oh to the end. <laughs> it's not a reflection on the book. I no. But when I tell you it was the last thing I did before I got horribly sick, that was literally the last thing I did. I hit save and I ran to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, and, and then the dam burst. So <laughs> if you uh, write into uh, email, we will read them sometimes. <laughs> right, so our, our first email. Comes, I'm just changing the subject horribly. This our, is a bad segue. Our first email comes from Ryan, who goes by the dude 007 on ifanboy.com. And Ryan says that he recently revisited Grant Morrison's JLA run, and the part that really seemed to stand out for him was the way that he handled the electric blue Superman. I think we all know what a fiasco this was, from the glow in the dark cover to the end when he was split into a red and blue version of himself for some reason. Here he took the concept that no one liked and ran with it. I forgot all the cool shit that he had him do, like absorbing the energy of an explosion while still leaving light energy as a means of covering up their escape, or reversing the polarity of the moon so it wouldn't crash into the Earth. Morrison still made you feel that even though Superman didn't have a great handle on his own powers, he was still the most powerful member of the JLA, despite the fact that he was wearing the most powerfully retarded costume on the whole team. What were your thoughts on the blue Superman? I'm not a big DC guy, so I would have taken it or left it. Keep it up. Love you guys. Love you too, Ryan. No, it's true. the The blue Superman was dumb, but Morrison, actually, you know, in the way he does, actually thought about it and made made it make sense and made it cool. This is the only blue Superman I read. I didn't, I didn't read any of that stuff. So to me, I never minded. I was like, oh, it was kind of cool. Like it all. Yeah, it, it and, never, and the books was the books was kind of you know it was kind of lame. But as Morrison does, he he thought he literally said, "What would this actually mean? What, what could you actually do with this?" And he right. did some badass stuff with him. And in it this. was and it wasn't a problem, if I remember. Like it no. was, it, like it didn't detract from anything. It was just like, "Oh, Superman's blue and electric, and here we go." You know, like it was. And just, he was, uh, and then he was, you know, like in the first couple, he wasn't. He was normal, and then he was blue, and they were like, "Hey, you're blue. Yeah, I'm dealing with it." Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So if you have a question about um, Superman or any other character, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. When Ron dies, we're going to go and find like a super secret Superman shrine that he never he – he he's been playing up how he hates him. But really, in, in, yeah. in reality, he's got like a secret room. You press a button and it opens up and there's Superman stuff everywhere. When I'm alone – This, when this I'm, is my son, Kal-El. What? <laughs> <laughs> when I'm alone in my apartment, I walk around in a Superman costume and yeah, it's like <laughs> – Oh, oh boy! I made it weird, didn't I? Netflix has over one hundred thousand titles with no late fees. They got a lot of Superman movies. Free shipping both ways. Blu-ray titles, which Josh takes takes part in. Fast delivery. Majority of their shipments in one day. <laughs> Plan starting as low as four ninety nine a month with a two week free trial. When you go to www.netflix.com/ifanboy and make sure you put that www in the front. I love it. Like I love like how he, says, he says he says it with disdain. They've got I know titles, it's like it's some cult he doesn't. It's like well, Josh has been with us until he joined the WWAA. You know, like whatever the weird. <laughs> Strange cult down the road is so www.netflix.com forward slash ifanboy onto the voicemail. A question, yes. a question of money. Hey guys, this is Jason from Portland, and I had a question about um, salaries in comics and how much, um, say, a average writer and artist for um, one of the major publishers might make. Um, I'm thinking not the uh, Bendises of the world, but um, you know, maybe a Tomasi or something like that. And if you had any sense of what the ranges were between uh, people who um, write and draw for comic books, thanks. 
That is a good question, and you know, I've it's one I've certainly thought about a lot, uh, and you know, I've tried to do research about it, but sort of short of asking the people who I know in comics, like, hey, what are you pulling down <laughs> after taxes? It's not something that's really publicized. I, I know there's sort of rules of thumb: um, artists get paid more than writers per page. Uh, freelance guys, most of them are freelance. Uh, if you're working for Marvel or DC or something like that, the the, the sort of what I've heard, and I could be completely off here, but you know, anywhere between one and three hundred dollars a penciled page. Um, you know, inkers and colorists and letters get paid less for that. Uh, yeah, letter, if you letters are, are down in the in the double digits. Per page. Yeah, and, yeah, and if yeah. you're and if and if you're, you know, if you're a big name, if you're if you're John Cassidy, you you know, you can make a lot more than that uh, per page, or or just you know on a on a on a project. But you know, you're a page rate. If you think about it, like a hundred bucks a page, you'd have to do one page a day every single day. To make five to seven hundred bucks a week, like it takes a long time to you know get get up there, and that's you know that's cranking out stuff every single day if you can even do a page a day. Um, and then but you know better like, that's a, that's a book a month, right? Exactly. Um, you know, but but you know, I'm, I'm sure Steve McNevin makes a lot more than that. Uh, writers, I think, are closer to I don't know, like a hundred bucks a page, you know, ninety, eighty, something like that from from what I've seen. But that can't, I, it's not something I can really confirm. Because uh, it doesn't really get published. It's just, you know, hearsay, what's going on. You know, but th- there's guys, you know, you think about like a guy like Pete Tomasi. He was an editor, which means he, he had a salary of some kind and he quit so that he could do, uh, you know, books. So there's that. But then there's also, the you know, the real th- – that'll get you by. But the real thing that's important for guys who are doing indie graphic novels, you know, is, is, is back-end sales and, and stuff. So if you're doing a book for Image, for example, you don't get paid anything until the sales come in. You know, and you might not really see anything until trades start coming in. You know, and, and hopefully they sell in some sort of amount. Um, you know, it's and it's then, not then, an easy then, business. Then, yeah. Then the, then there's the the more lo- the long term play, which is like if you're doing creator on work, then there's you know there's the Hollywood options and and things right. like that, which can give you money. But then also if you're doing you know if guys are doing work for Marvel DC, they have finally after years and years of other creators ta- yes. you know taking the hits, there now you know um, royalty kind of programs where if you create a character and this sort of thing, you get some sort of kickback and all this kind of stuff. And and there there are ways to make money down the road too. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's like you know, trade sales. I think for the big guys uh, pay. Pay royalties on them. So if you do a trade, you know you do a book, it's it's collected in your trade. You get you get paid, you know, subsequently for for that also. Uh, in so you know, it's like a small percentage. Um, it's really you've got to like diversify yourself and figure out all sorts of ways. A lot of these comic book writers do other work, yeah. you know, whether it's it's uh, video game writing or or consulting or things like that. That that happens a lot, and, um, and you get and you get people, you know, like you know, like for example, I know, you know, like the we, we and we've read very publicly the guys who do phonogram, you know, Karen Gillan and Jamie McElvey, were, you know, they posted that you know phonogram number two was delayed because of the because they just you know they've got to pay their bills and it's not because the book isn't doing well, just because it's not making a ton, yada yada. And I know for a fact that Jamie not only in addition to comic work takes on like illustration work and like right. for ad agencies and things like that. Like art artists who are art, comic artists aren't just limited to doing comic art. A lot of times they'll do commercial art. And things like that so yeah um you know it, there's just there's it, there's all you know eventually it can, it can come around but um it also, takes a while to get there and it's also interesting that that some artists depending on again it's depending on their success but um the uh original art business and and also con sketches and things like that have become a big part of the business as well as a way for them to yeah. make money um which is funny because it's like the artist gets this like they get paid they get paid to draw the page for the company and then sometimes when they get their art back they can sell the page at anywhere from 100 to 300 dollars per page um writer doesn't really get to sell a script unless he does a script book you know, it's kind of yeah, but the though. difference being a writer can do more than one book a month, theoretically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, exactly. So, like, you, you probably, you know, doing it as a full-time job, you're, um, you know, unless you're somebody, you know, unless you're Frank Miller or something, you're probably not going to get paid enough to, you know, to script even, uh, you know, like one book a month or something. You've got to do several. You remember Bendis, Bendis does a lot of books in a month, you know, but at one point he was doing like five or six. Yeah, like, uh, he was doing Daredevil, he was doing Ultimate Spider-Man, he was doing New Avengers, he was doing, yeah, yeah. Alias, alias, yeah, yeah, pulse, yeah. It was. It's it's really about for writers. It's very much about getting your hands in as many pies as you can, yeah. Um, and doing as many things, and and you know, and for all that stuff, it's about name profile. The bigger your name is, the more money you are going to get paid. Yeah. I like pie. So if you have any more questions about the way the comic book industry works, you can call us at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. 
We hey, and it. if you're listening in the industry, because I know you're out there, you know, and, and you have more information on it, you can tell us. You can yeah. tell us anonymously. We'll, yeah. we'll tell I, people. I mean, it's one of those things people want to know. Yeah. I enjoy whenever we answer a question complete with speculation. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, none of us have been paid to work in the comic book industry ever. <laughs> well, I, well, I did do some research on it, and I, you know, like, I, I want to work in the comic book industry. So you know, it's the kind of thing I pay attention to. So you pick up bits about it, but it's nothing like – it's very opaque. It's not – you know, you can't quite tell exactly what the real answer is. Yeah. I've talked to lots of people like, well, you get paid some. It's not a lot. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. All right. Anyway. So um, so we survived the New York Comic Con and just in time to deal with WonderCon. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, it's like we just got back to England and now they're sending us back to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so WonderCon in San Francisco is coming. It's next weekend. What's going on with iFanboy? There are panels to be uh, seen where we can we can be tracked down. If we'll be walking around the floor and doing stuff, but there is a podcasting panel. I, it's Saturday night, I believe. Do you know the exact Saturday time? evening, five to six thirty, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, Lenny Taylor from the I Read uh, Comics podcast, and and it, it will be a more interactive sort of uh, podcasting panel than perhaps you've been used to in the past. Yeah, it so isn't going to be us standing up there saying we hope podcasting will become a big form of media. For the ninth time, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're going to. We, we, we want to get some of the audience involved. We're going to be talking about the comics. We're going to be, you know, like it's going to be. More it's an interactive about, panel. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So. Uh, and that's, then, uh, wait, hold on. I got the date on that. That's uh, Saturday 28th. from five to six thirty in room two twenty. Yes. Ooh, and this stuff will all be up on the website too. Um, and also, I will be uh, moderating or, or hosting, I suppose, uh, the Alex Robinson panel from one to two. On uh, on Saturday also at, at WonderCon, uh, where we're gonna you know him and I'll talk. We'll talk about some of his work. Um, and dogs. I've, yeah, it's. I'm gonna. Yeah, we'll probably talk about dogs, so, but um, not a lot. So you, so you're moderating the past. So how how nervous are you? I haven't thought about it, and I think that that's helped. <laughs> okay, that's good. The best you know? thing to do is to go in there with no plan. Yeah, just. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go in there completely unprepared. I mean, you know, I've talked to him before at length, so it can't be that hard. Right. Um, no, but but come by. Alex is a funny guy. Um, I don't stink, so <laughs> that's the best I can say for myself. All right, so so that's what's going on at the convention. Room, room two thirty two. Room two thirty two. So, so that's what's going on at the convention. But everyone knows historically at WonderCon, it's not what goes on at the convention; it's what goes on at night of the convention. Oh, Sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> The first yeah, night will be Friday night, and that's the return of the much heralded Tiki tour that we do with with Isotope. The people yeah. at Isotope and us partner up. We, we did this two years ago. You may have seen it in our WonderCon show with Adam Beechin, and we're doing it again. Yes, we are partnering up on on all the social uh, events of the WonderCon with our friends at Isotope Comics. You can go to isotopecomics.com to check them out. James Syme, the proprietor. Um, the historic Tiki tour of uh, going through Tiki bars of San Francisco. Um, and Derek Robertson, how cool is that? Derek awesome. Robertson's a special guest, and with Beachin, I think we did we make it to eight or nine no, tiki bars. No, no, there were there were eight to, to tiki bar tiki bars on the itinerary. We made it to five, which was we didn't make it more than five. No, more we than, made it. We made it to five. We made it. We got into an argument the other day at the store about it. We made it to five, which is unheralded because the thing with the tiki tour is there are two things that will get in the way: either Father Time, because <laughs> bars close early in San Francisco, like two o'clock, they're done. Um, so Father Time or Uncle Liver. So because the whole thing is you got to go to every tiki tour and you have to have a drink. So right. uh, not not only the strong will can make it to every uh, every bar, but we're going to start at the um, historic Tonga Room, um, which is probably the best tiki bar in the city. Um, so if you're in San Francisco, if you want to see some of the sights of San Francisco, a great walking tour of the city. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Um, definitely don't miss the tiki tour. We had about 30 30- people last we added year. people we started with like 20 or so then we went to the second bar remember we added all those people like we were, we were rolling like 30 40 by the time we met in the middle of the tour so yeah, yeah. it was fun yeah and this, it was is really back, fun. this is back by popular demand by the way too a lot of people were asking to to do this again so um that's why we're doing it so maybe we'll bring a camera and someone will drunkenly interview Derek robertson yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, and so then, so but we we're not just stopping at the Tiki Tour Friday night. No, Saturday night is your opportunity to um, go to Isotope Comics and experience um, that that great comic book store at one of their historic parties. Last year we partied with uh, Ben Templesmith and Anthony Johnson one night, and the second night was with Dar- Darwin Cook. Um, this year is the the much heralded uh, the end of a hundred bullets party with uh, Brian Azzarello and Dave Johnson. They, Brian Azzarello and Dave Johnson will be at the party. 
Dave Johnson's bringing art, which is going to be on display. So if you like Dave Johnson's covers from 100 Bullets, um, you definitely want to come check out, check, check, check out all his great art. Um, and the awesomest thing is that there's going to be the limited edition Isotope I Fanboy pint glass for sale with some original Dave Johnson art. So uh, for $10, you can get yourself a pint glass, uh, and it's super, super limited. This piece of art that Dave Johnson is only used for the pint glass, so this is the only place where you can get it. Um, and we're gonna and you can see it. You can yeah. see it on a fanboy. We have a post yeah. on it. But we did yeah. this for Darwin Cook. If you were at that party, those things flew off yep. the shelves. <laughs> the music also, say, but uh, Brian Azarello will glare at you for your yes. charge. Yes, exactly. Word of advice: If you go to the party, don't tell him you thought Hundred Bullets was confusing. <laughs> he doesn't take kindly to that. Best um, not to look at it directly. Yes, no, but but no. Honestly, it's going to be a great, great party. Last year, the, the, this the Saturday night party tends to be the the event of WonderCon. So if you're going to be at WonderCon, if you live in the San Francisco area, come. It's a great opportunity to shop at Isotope and to hang out with us and hang out with the other There's comic pros. Come to this party. It's going to be I awesome. I happen so. to know at least one other comic pro who's had a, a very big presence on our show uh, in the past. Uh, is coming too. So um, yeah, so go to ifanboy.com uh, for all the details. There's gonna be a post up on the homepage. You can also go to isotopecomics.com for all the details and directions how to get to the store and that sort of thing. And we love the isotope, so um, please uh, go there and shop there. <laughs> all right, all right. We, let's whip through the boring part and yes. get to the wacky part at the end of the boring part. So uh, head over to ifanboy.com where you can become a member of the ifanboy.com membership uh, elite. Um, for just $4 a month or $42 a year, you can get the ifanboy membership pack, which gets you some buttons and stickers and a free comic book. Um, and if you've got a little more money to spare, you can, you can spend $10 a month or $100 a year, and you get the, the pack with uh, stickers, buttons, a comic, as well as the special limited edition ifanboy members t-shirt, which you can go see at store.ifanboy.com or ifanboy.com slash store. They both work. Um, They're coming. We, we really appreciate the members. The shirts are shipping. We have them. Connor is slaving away to get them packed, right? As you listen to this, they're probably being on the way, yeah, actually. So, and, and uh, so finally, so all of the, all of the members who, have, who signed up back in December and in January have been patiently awaiting. We thank you for your patience. We, the stuff is coming, so we appreciate yeah, the, it. The, the Coraline prize packs went out also for those of you Excellent. members who won that. Um, you probably have them by now, except for the dude in Australia. You're going to have to wait a little while. <laughs> Six so, years. So to, it's on a boat. So to remind everybody, uh, we do ifanboy.com for free. Um, we, everything is for free. We love giving this to you guys, but we need to, you know, we need to keep our you know, kind of uh, lights on. So we definitely um, need your help and need, your, um, uh, need, need you to kind of step up and sign up for a membership. Um, but we don't want to make it so that you get nothing for it. So we you know, send you the T-shirt. We send you the free stuff. But also, we've got some great giveaways lined up. After WonderCon, like a week or two after WonderCon, there's going to be an amazing giveaway for iFanboy members only. So stay tuned to the show for that announcement. And um, you can only be a member to win this one. So and, and, and you know the reason we keep bringing this up is uh, we still need more members. I yes. mean, uh, so if you've been thinking, well, they're, they're taking care of it's It's really not. We still do need more members. The people who have signed up, thank you. It's been great. Um, we will we will keep making it good for you, but we but you know if you've been thinking about it, you know just act on that if you yes. can. We appreciate it. So thank you, thank you to everybody who has has done it. Thank you to everybody who will do it. And trust me, you're going to want to be a member by like second week of March because this giveaway is going to be awesome. Uh, ifanboy.com is the website where all of this springs from, and you can go there every single day for for fresh new content. This last week was Stack Week, where we lay our stacks bare and, and admit to all of the things that we haven't quite had time to read. Uh, you can read Connor's Book of the Month discussion. You can read my Pick of the Week uh, review, and and just all sorts of stuff all week. And, and Paul Dini, by the way, is is he's he's aging like a fine wine. They're getting better and better. I must say. <laughs> Is two hundred. He did it all in pirate this week. That's excellent. So make sure you get to ifanboy.com. And while you're there, you go to ifanboy.com, the store where you can find um, all of our merchandise, which is basically the membership stuff and the Herm T-shirt, which is the you know sort of Watchmen-esque. Not at shirt. all. Which, by the way, is flying off the shelves. So if you want to get one, get them before they go. Those are also on the way. If you ordered one already, they're, they're in the mail. So if you want to check out that Herm shirt, you can go to ifanboy.com slash store. There'll be a new shirt soon in a few weeks. We'll be unveiling the next special edition shirt, and that'll be exciting too. Check that out. You can go to revision3.com slash store. That's where you can find the old intern shirt, which is still available. There's a few left. Go to there and check that out. 
And um, you might have heard that we do a video show every week, every Wednesday. Um, so if you go to ifanboy.com every Wednesday or revision3.com forward slash ifanboy, you can watch that video show. Um, this past week was uh, the first part of our New York Comic Con uh, coverage. Um, it was so big we couldn't contain it in one episode. So this coming Wednesday, part two of the New York Comic Con. Um, literally, literally, Jim McCann goes insane. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a meltdown. On, it's amazing. <laughs> and if you if you can't find the video show, you can um, if you own a TiVo, you can find it in the video download section. Um, you go to Apple, go to iTunes, you can download it there. Tons of ways you can find it on YouTube. Tons of ways to find the, the iFanboy video show. So check it all out. And Comics Pro, Comics Pro. Mike Norton said, "Hey, it looks good on a TV." Yeah, he did. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so. he was surprised. <laughs> Try to sound a little less surprised, Mike. <laughs> It was it was rough getting them to get that on the TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was the tech support we give, it's amazing. So, um, and if you have a question or if you need tech support, you can email us at contact@ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail. The aforementioned one eight eight fanboys one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. Cool, and you can go over to ifanboy.com slash about, and you can uh, join the social network menagerie of the Facebooks, MySpaces, uh, Comic Spaces, Verb, got a big uh, facelift just this last week, yeah. uh, Twitter.com, all the links for that, for ourselves and, and our, our staff are all on there, and uh, catchy little paragraphs yeah. about who we is. They're funny. Yeah. And finally, if you like the show, you can write a review for it on iTunes. That's how people find the show. It helps us get the word out and this, for this show and for the video show. And even better than that is to tell your comic book store friends, your, your owners, the people you've, you meet at the store, maybe the doctor you saw because you thought you were dying, but you weren't. <laughs> tell him. He might like it. You never know. That got, that got weird. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, yes. Hey, Sam. Okay. I got to admit, it's good to be back, the three of us back. I missed you last week. Oh, actually, we wanted to talk to you about that. <laughs> it's been it has been three weeks since we've all done the show together. Yeah, yeah. yeah how about that? It's good. Yeah, it's a reunion. And you know, people were all like, "Ah, oh, I wish they'd get it back together." Until this week, and like, you know, no, you know, maybe we appreciate a little diversity. Yeah, maybe that know, it's been you know, it's been three years. You know, enough. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a couple times. Like, have you considered adding a fourth? Because I've honestly, I've been eating mac and cheese every night. And, uh, I need to switch it. All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. Consider adding a fourth, consider adding three new people. (laughs) 